Your heart is beating right now. You probably didn't notice, but there it is. Steady, beat after beat after beat. Unannounced, uncelebrated, unsung. That heart beats rhythmically, faithfully giving and sustaining life. And so it is with those ordinary acts of faithfulness in ordinary moments of life. Serving, loving, nurturing, pursuing justice, offering counsel, giving generously, rhythmically, like our heart beat. Moment after moment, day after day, unsung. Willow! So good to be with you today. Um, my name is Miguel. If you've never met me, if I have not the, had the privilege to meet you, I'm one of the pastors here. It's so grateful to be on this team. Um, I want to welcome everyone watching online and every one of our incredible campuses around Chicagoland right now. You're watching me on a screen right now, but I am real. I like the screen view because it makes me look like I'm 20 feet tall, and it's always a shock when people are like, Miguel, oh, you're a little shorter than I thought. I'm like, God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. Uh, but it's great to be here with you today. Um, you know, recently, I'm still fairly new, okay, to Chicagoland and this area. And recently, uh, someone from one of our campuses, they were trying to explain to me uh, the weather around here, okay? Um, it was exhausting, right, trying to explain it. But, um, but they were trying to explain it to me, and they were saying things like, you know, there's like a fake summer, and then there's spring. Because if you remember, just a few weeks back, there was like this really hot week. I'm like, oh, we, are we here now? Is it summer? No, this is a fake summer. And then they, they went on to explain to me like it was, there's like a fake spring and then there's fall. And then there's, I'm like, wow. And all year long, it's like this, right? You're just confused all year. And uh, so here, the, the reason why it's like, it's so shocking to me is because I'm from San Diego. I grew up in San Diego. It's just sunny. When it's not sunny, it's because it's nighttime, right? <laughs> so, so, I mean, so I don't really know what to believe around here. I just am ready for anything. I'm like, should I pack my, you know, my winter jackets now? Put them, no, I still need those or what? I'm just confused all the time, right? And, you know, growing up, there are actually a lot of things uh, that I remember hearing as a kid. Maybe you can relate. Things that I heard growing up that I'm not really sure if if they're true or not, right? They might be fake. It might just be something we were told. Maybe you can relate. Maybe, did, did any one of you hear um, any time in your childhood, um, you need to put hydrogen peroxide on it? Did anyone raise your hand? It was just, it was just like a go-to solution. Like, oh, yeah, you're, yeah, you're in, hydrogen peroxide on that, right? If it wasn't hydrogen peroxide, it was Vicks VapoRub. Those are the only two solutions for, for things like, okay, I remember that. I don't, I don't know the last time I used hydrogen peroxide, and I feel great, okay? Um, uh, the, uh, the, the other thing I heard, if, if you, some of you may have heard this, I heard uh, cracking your knuckles will give you arthritis. I mean, that's serious. Like, as a child, I'm going, what? And sometimes I accidentally, you know, it's like, oh, no, I've got arthritis. I don't. I don't know if that's true, okay? I'm not a doctor, but uh, I, I seem, I feel okay, all right? Um, uh, how about this one? This one was good. Um, don't swallow your gum because it will take how many years? 
Seven years to digest. Seven years. I mean, that's traumatizing as a kid growing up. You swallow the gum and you're like, oh no. I won't see you until after I graduate high school. Like, <laughs> this, I mean, that's a, seven years. Okay, and here's the last one real quick. Um, did you hear, uh, don't go swimming after you eat. Did anyone hear that? How many of you were told, okay, raise your hand, campuses, Crystal Lake, okay. How many of you were told you have to wait at least 20 minutes after you eat, right? Okay, right? But you have to wait seven years for gum, but a burger in the belly, 20 minutes, you're good, okay? Uh, how many of you guys were like 30 minutes? How about an hour? How many of you were told you can't swim the rest of the day, you're done? <laughs> yes, <laughs> right? I mean, there are so many different things we grew up with, right? These ideas, and, and here's the thing, as a kid, we're just, we hear these ideas and these thoughts, and we just kind of go along with it, all right? We just, it, there, we go along with it, that's what they say, that's what people are saying, and, and we just do it, and, and it's reinforced by our culture. And then when we grow up, we, we, we teach it to our children, you know, we start in, like imparting that to our kids. And we're like, why do I do that? I don't know. Um, and then we go back and we just question the whole thing, right? Well, here's the thing. In Jesus's day, there were a lot of things that people believed about God, faith, and life. And, and Jesus stepped into this world, if you will, and he debunked a lot of them. He would say, you've heard it said whatever the cultural belief was. But then he would say, but I tell you, and he would speak, speak the truth. And one of those beliefs were around the idea, listen, of appearances, the outside. Many people and, and spiritual leaders in Jesus' day, we're going to look at it in just a moment, um, in Jesus' day, they made all the focus around the outside. You need to have your act together. Right? You, you, need to, you need to make sure you keep up your appearances, your ideal self. And in this day, there was even, listen, there was even a superstition about sin. People believed that if you had sin in your life, you did not have God's favor and were therefore cursed. So if people had a disease or a sickness, if people couldn't have children and was barren, if someone had an impairment or a disability, if something tragic happened to a person, all of this would have been clear to the culture that you have been cursed because of your sin and you do not have God's favor. If you remember the story in John chapter 9, the disciples and Jesus walk up to a man who was born blind. He was blind since birth. And the first question the disciples asked him was, hey, Jesus, who sinned, he or his parents? that he's this way. I mean, this was so embedded in the culture. In light of this, they had actually created an environment in the temple, that is the house of God, where certain people didn't feel welcome. Certain people didn't feel they were good enough, right? They made things like the way people dress to be a measure of someone's spiritual depth. They got uncomfortable around the way people worship. Not two, two hands, double hand worship right now going on. They were like, no, right? And man, if you took a lap for Jesus, okay, I, some of you, I need like a worship bubble around me, right? I'm just like, I get into it. But for some of you, you couldn't express the worship in certain ways. It was uncomfortable for people. 
people, way people dress, the way people worship. All of it's because you had to show no struggle, no pain, no hurt. You had to constantly present your ideal self. And of course, the public would stay clear from those people as they were often called sinners in the Bible. So the community in the house of God back then, it became a place where it wasn't safe to be broken. It wasn't safe to be hurting. It wasn't safe to just be in need. And that's what people believed until Jesus. When Jesus entered the scene, he challenged all of this. And all throughout scripture, God is constantly uh, wanting us and encouraging us to engage him in a real way for a real relationship with him. And instead of acting more righteous than we really are, he wants humility, he wants brokenness, he wants authenticity, he wants real. Psalm 51, 17 says this, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. In fact, one of our church values here at Willow is just stated being authentic, bringing all of who we are. So today I want to talk to you about a person, an unsung hero um, in Luke chapter 7. You can go ahead and turn there, Luke chapter 7. I want to talk to you about someone who I believe was an unsung hero because they realized their hurt, their brokenness, and their need to come to Jesus with their real self and step into the light. But let me go ahead, as you're turning to Luke chapter 7, uh, let me go ahead and kind of give you the context of what's going on in this story. In Luke 7, Jesus was invited over to the house of Simon the Pharisee, not Simon Peter, okay? Simon the Pharisee. It was his religious duty to invite the visiting rabbi over to his house to eat. Jesus comes over, but for Simon, listen, he ain't all about it. For Simon, he was not into this. He was just going through the motions. He didn't really care to welcome Jesus at all. See, back then it was customary for you to kiss your guest on the cheek or on the hand. Simon doesn't do that. It was a minimum, the proper way to greet someone back then. Simon doesn't do that. When it was time to eat, it was customary at a minimum to wash the feet of your guest. Simon doesn't do that. If you wanted to go further in this day and you wanted to honor your guest, you would bring some olive oil and anoint their head. An inexpensive gesture, but a hospitable one. But Simon doesn't even do the minimum. Why would he go beyond that and honor Jesus? So he doesn't welcome Jesus, even though it's the least he can do. He's in the same room as Jesus. He's close to Jesus, but he's yet so far from receiving him. And then something happens. Let's begin Luke 7, verse 37, 39. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her te tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee, that is Simon, who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know 
who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a, here's that word, sinner. See, this woman was a known prostitute who just entered the house of the Pharisee, Simon the Pharisee. She would have never in a thousand years been invited to this party, okay? Never. Yet she courageously goes to the house uninvited yet determined to see Jesus. She doesn't bother herself with all the stares of condemnation around her as she enters this house because her mind is so consumed with worshiping and bringing gratitude for the Savior, Jesus. She allows her hair down, which, listen, in this culture was something you never did publicly, ever. To let your hair down was something in this culture you only did behind closed doors when you were alone or when you were with your spouse. It was a sign of complete vulnerability and intimacy. Simon and the people, they would have seen her as broken beyond repair. They would have seen her as someone that is just completely out of touch with God, does not have God's favor, don't get close to her, stay away from her. See, but, but Jesus sees something different because understand this clearly, and if you're taking notes, write this down. When Jesus sees broken, he sees beautiful. When Jesus sees broken, he sees beautiful. And what makes this woman just so courageous, an unsung hero, is not that she's broken because we all are. It's not that she has issues because we all do. It's the fact that she's willing to show it for the sake of Jesus. In front of all to see. To open herself up to be truly vulnerable. To step into the light. To cross from her ideal self to her real self, this woman was courageous. In fact, the word courage, it comes from the Latin core. The Latin core, which is the word for heart. In Spanish, it's corazón, cor. It comes from that word heart. So courage originally meant to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. To be able to share and show your whole self, all the broken pieces and everything laid out for all to see was what it really meant to be courageous. So let me go ahead and tell you what all of us already know. At all of our campus locations and everyone here listening to this message today, let me go ahead and tell you what we already know. Everyone is broken. Everyone is hurting Everyone is in recovery. Everyone. Which means there are only two types of people. Those in recovery and those in denial. You're welcome. Just want to say it out loud. There's only two types of people, if we're really being honest. Those in recovery and those in denial. We are all a work in progress. We are all trying to become more and more like Jesus. We are all maturing and learning and growing. We all fail. Those in recovery and those in denial. 
Let's continue Luke 7, verses 40. Again, Simon said to himself, if you remember that last passage, let's continue. Jesus answered him. He's talking to his thoughts, right? Jesus answered him. Simon, I have something to tell you. He's, I could imagine this moment here. Simon's like, I'm sorry, what, what, what? He's like talking to himself. He's like, Simon, I've got something to say. Whoa, okay, got it. All right, tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. See, this is great because Simon, the Pharisee, he doesn't see this at first. And, and Jesus has to correct him and, and even rebuke him through a story. Here's the genius of Jesus. Great storytellers allow people to see themselves in the story without assaulting them with the truth. That's the genius of Jesus. And that's what he does with Simon because Jesus is wanting to address something with Simon. So let's continue. Here's what Jesus says. Verse 44, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, please envision that. He turned toward the woman and he's talking to Simon. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them off with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, I have five kids, and uh, a lot of my kids, they, uh, they like to play hide-and-seek. And, seek. and um, hide-and-seek is kind of a classic game, all right? They go and they hide. They play with the neighbors. Uh, they play with each other. It's all fun and games. It's wonderful. And they go and they physically hide. But have you noticed, as they get older, they start to hide other things. Okay? They hide their feelings. They hide their thoughts. They hide their cell phones. Right? They hide. And as they get older, it's like they, they start this practice of, of pretending. And here's the thing. Every parent and grandparent wants to know what's really going on with their kids and grandkids. I mean, ultimately, we're saying, what's going on? Tell me. Tell me. But they hide. I'm good. Right? They get home from school. How was school? Fine. That's it, right? That's all you get. Who are they really? We're trying to know. And, and as they are young, they, they learn to hide. They learn to pretend. They learn to act, to put on a face, lest anyone know who they really are and what's really going on and the hurt that's really happening in their life. And as we become adults, it gets even more complicated. When we make bad decisions or when we're discouraged, when difficult times happen in our life, what tends to happen is we withdraw from community. We disconnect. We hide. We're no longer in church. Hey, have you seen so-and-so? I haven't seen him around lately. Hey, have, has she been in, I, she hasn't been in small group in a while. We isolate ourselves. We go into hiding. 
But we got to keep up appearances, right? So on social media or at church or, or maybe at dinner or at your workplace, we smile. How you doing? Blessed. Blessed, brother. Life is good, right? I mean, we're so good at playing uh, playing, you know, the, the whole church thing, and we're playing on, putting on faces. We're really good at it. We've been practicing since we were kids. Putting on the face. Let's anyone know what's really going on. And in a world that presents itself as really a highlighted, masqueraded version of itself, it's really easy to get trapped between your ideal self and your real self. And this is really What's going on with Simon? Simon is hiding. Simon is hiding. So let me give you an illustration here, okay? Many of us choose to live in this tension. We live in this tension between, right, between not wanting to be fully known and staying hidden over here, okay? Not wanting to be fully known. We might show a little bit, but I don't want to, be, I don't want to show too much, Right? And so we stay hidden and knowing that we need to be fully known if we're going to find true healing. There is this tension constantly going back and forth, being fully known and find true healing or really not wanting to be fully known and staying kind of hidden. And so we live in this tension, this tension that we live in every single day. So we're never fully satisfied. We're always wanting more. We're always feeling kind of disconnected and disassociated. And here's the thing. We're kind of holding on to this tension back and forth. What do I show today? I got to put on a face. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And this tension right here is excruciatingly exhausting to our souls. Being kind of caught in that middle but the beauty of the gospel of the grace, mercy, and Jesus is, is Jesus will meet you right in that middle area, that messy middle. He will meet you right where you are, not where you think you should be. And that's where Jesus meets this woman and Simon. Let me ask this question. Who would you rather be in this story? Who would you rather be? Would you rather be Simon the well-respected spiritual leader that has a nice house and a great neighborhood and a great reputation but is distant from Jesus. Or the woman, a prostitute and broken mess that is seen by all in front of all but experiences the love of Jesus in a deep, intimate, and real way. Now don't answer out loud. Just think about it. You want to know the truth? In our culture, we want both. We want both. And we kill ourselves for that. We kill ourselves for it. We want to be well-respected and show that we have it all together, keep our problems behind closed doors, and smile in public. Right? Yet at the same time, we just yelled at our kids on the way to church. Our marriage is struggling. We feel depressed and alone. We cry ourselves to sleep. But we want to experience the love, grace, and mercy of God in a deep and real way. But let me help everyone here today watching at all of our campuses. It doesn't work that way. 
It does not work that way. So write this down. If to experience the real love of Jesus, you must be the real you. The real you. Which means this. Everyone look this way. It means this. It means at some point in your life, you're going to have to walk through the door marked broken. You're going to have to do that if that's what you want. You're going to have to walk through the door marked broken. You must first be willing to be vulnerable enough, courageous enough to be seen for who you really are. That's what this woman does and Simon fails to do. James 4, 6 says, and he gives grace generously as the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The contrast between this woman and Simon is powerful. It is profound because they represent two realities. Listen, the one who we present to others and who we are in private. There are two realities being presented in this story. That's why Jesus looks at the woman but talks to Simon. He's holding the tension there. This woman, though, is no longer hiding. She's done. She comes out of hiding. Jesus sees her. But for Simon, he's hiding. Remember verse 39? He said to himself, You know, I think in our culture today, we have many hiding places. But I think one of the biggest hiding places that we have today is something we call, listen, perfectionism. Perfectionism. Now, a lot of you are pretty comfortable saying, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, right? And that's really code for I do things really, really well. Okay, I get it, I get it. However, there's a difference between perfectionist and being a perfectionist um, and healthy striving for excellence. Okay, there is a difference between the two because I'm all for healthy striving to do your best. Here's the difference. When you fail, because we all will, everyone's gonna fail at some point. When we fail and, and you are striving in a healthy way for excellence, a healthy striving for excellence will say, well, That didn't work, so I guess I'll try something different. And we move on. We move forward. We learn from our mistakes. But here's the difference. When perfectionism is driving and you fail, perfectionism says, what will people think? What will my boss think? What will my wife or my husband think? What will my kids think? What will my neighbors think? What will my small group think? What will my friends think? What will my church think? What will people think? Perfectionism is the mentality that says if you look perfect, sound perfect, and live perfect, then we can avoid or minimize shame, blame, and judgment from others. It's a cover. It's a hiding place. There's people out there. It's a hiding place that says... People can't see me for who I really am. So I'm safe. Safe from hurt. But you're not. You're not safe. You're still hurting. You're just hurting alone. Because no one can see who you really are. 
No one could see that you're crying and hurting on the inside and shouting for help because you got to keep up your appearances, right? Dr. Brene Brown, who's a really uh, an expert in this area, says this. She says, when perfectionism is driving, shame is always riding shotgun and fear is the annoying backseat driver. Wow. See, it's something that I call faux what. Faux what. Fear of what others think. Faux what. And you must be aware of faux what. Fear of what others think. Now, if you're wondering, um, I don't deal with that. I don't care about what others think. Okay, I get it. I get it. Here are some symptoms of faux what. Let me just list them for you, okay? Here's some symptoms of faux what. Um, you go along with what others think, and then you resent it later. Another one, you change what you think or believe based on who's in the room. Mm-hmm. Number three, you avoid social settings or never want to miss out. Both extremes are faux what. Number four, you read into what other people say or do. Number five, you have a hard time asking for help. Number six, you have a difficult time saying no to people. And here's just another one. Number seven, you exaggerate the truth to impress. Here's the thing. If we're being honest, we all struggle at some point with this, at some level. We all struggle with it. And the greater the gap between our ideal self and our real self, the more frustrated we are with others in our situation. Those who follow the crowd usually get lost in it. So we hide what's really going on and we numb it. And today, we are the most in-debt, obese, addicted, medicated adult cohort in U.S. history. All because we don't want to be seen. We don't want to be real. And we try to numb our emotions. Let me just say this real quick when it comes to numbing our emotions, things that I've learned from other doctors and experiences. When, when we look at trying to numb our emotions, we cannot selectively numb our emotions, meaning this. You can't say, here's all the bad emotions. Here's, all, here's grief and, and here's shame and here's fear and here's disappointment. I don't want to feel any of those. So I'm going to have some wine, ice cream, and Oreos and binge watch something on Netflix. And it's going to help. But listen carefully. Please listen carefully. You cannot selectively numb. We cannot selectively numb our emotions. So when we numb one emotion, we're actually numbing all emotions. That means when we try to numb all the bad emotions, the other emotions we're numbing are joy, gratitude, love, and all the good ones. And if we do this long enough, we begin to feel miserable and, and we begin to not feel anything and we begin looking for purpose and meaning and we feel empty and round and round we go. And we start realizing that ice cream has no life stream. Netflix has no net gain, and Oreos just taste good. We start to realize that more and more. But most of us, we just live on our days in hiding, hoping no one will find us out, fake it till we make it, pretending. And the problem with that isn't that we're not broken, because we are. The problem with that is that we hide it. We filter it. We take a thousand photos just to post the right one, even though it's not the real situation. Why? Why do we do this? Because we feel we need to be filtered to be accepted. 
That's the reality that we are living in. That's the tension. We feel like we need to be filtered to be accepted in any arena. And it's been going on since the beginning of time. Genesis 3, let me read this real quick. Verses 7 and 8 at the beginning. Listen, at that moment, Adam and Eve, their eyes were open when they had just sinned. They just disobeyed. And they suddenly felt, felt shame and at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to, what is it? Cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. So they hid. They hid from the Lord among the trees, which means this. When sin entered the world, the very first thing we did was hide and cover. It was humanity's first filter. And since then, we've become masters of hiding. We've gotten really good at hiding our broken pieces and our hurts, our pain, our discouragement. Because what God created, sin distracted. So we smile. We put on a face. We go through the day. You want to know the number one thing, response that I get from people when I ask them, how's it going? They say, busy. That's the number one response I get. How are you doing? Busy. Busy. Oh, I'm busy. You want to know what busy stands for most days? Buried under Satan's yoke. And we don't even realize it. I get it. You want to be productive. You want to, you want to you know, do things with your life. You want to pursue things. You've got a calling. I love that. But man, we are buried. We are buried under Satan's yoke. We are hiding. Simon doesn't acknowledge that he's broken, that he's hurting, that he's hiding. And Jesus knows it and rebukes him for it. He rebukes him for pretending not to be. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Why would Simon, why would Jesus rebuke Simon? Why why would he correct him? Why would he take time in this moment to talk to Simon, even though he's looking at the woman, he's talking to Simon. Does he love Simon? Yes, of course he loves Simon. But please remember this. The reason he's doing this to Simon is is the same reason he wants it for us. So write this down. God is not going to have a relationship with the person you're pretending to be. God is not going to have a relationship with the person you are pretending to be. Listen, that person doesn't exist. It's fake. The reason you might be here watching online or, or you're here today listening to this message and you feel distant from God might be because you are hiding. You're pretending to be something you're not. You're striving to look right, be right, sound right when you just need to be real. You just need to finally be surrendered and say, Miguel, I'm finally ready to just be real before God. Some of you might be hearing you saying, listen, Miguel, I've tried church. I've tried small group. I've tried serving. I've tried all these things. I invited Jesus, but you know, it didn't work for me. Well, hey, in this story, Simon also did that. He invited him over to his house and Simon missed it. He went through the motions. But rather than trying, maybe the issue isn't about your trying and your effort. Maybe the issue is you just being transparent and trust the Savior. 
What if it wasn't about you trying in the first place? Stop trying to present yourself, this ideal self to others, and start being your real self, the person God created you to be. He was right the first time when he created you. So let me tell you, if you're here today, you're leaning into this and it's speaking to you, let me just tell you something. You have nothing to prove. You have no one to impress and only one to please. And that's Jesus. It's okay that we're broken. It's okay that we're hurting. We all are. It's okay not to be okay. It is okay not to be okay, but it is not okay to stay that way, to stay in hiding. Jesus loves you too much to leave you the way you are. So no matter who you are, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, God loves you just as you are, not as you think you should be. And this is the beauty of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that he was vulnerable enough to step into the light, to step into humanity and in all vulnerability and was broken for us. Isaiah 53 verse five, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. What if today you finally said, I'm just done with this ideal self I'm constantly trying to work at. It's exhausting. Maybe you're like the woman and you've got a reputation and you're scared to step into that light. I understand. Maybe you're like Simon and you're like, I have a reputation. I'm a spiritual leader to my family, my church, my small group. And for me to show that I need Jesus would be humiliating because it's been years. I get that. But it also could be the most freeing, restoring, and reviving moment in your life. And the very thing that your soul needs is for you to step into the light. The Bible says, and I'll finish with this, in Luke 9, verse 24, it says, but whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. What life are we losing? The ideal life. The ideal life that stays hidden. The ideal life for your real life. What life are we losing? The covered life is what we're losing for the Christ life in Jesus. We're losing the filtered life. The filtered life that's constantly covering up, putting on a show for the free in Jesus life completely seen, completely vulnerable, standing before you. Maybe today you need to come out of hiding. Maybe today you need to stop pretending because God is not gonna have a relationship with the person that you are pretending to be. So in the next few moments, would you just be with the Lord and maybe, just maybe, there is something you are hiding from God, something that you need to say, Lord, I'm done hiding and I'm ready to step into the light.